Hello and welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast, a podcast for copywriters all about copywriting. My name is Belinda Weaver. I am a copywriter. I'm the founder of Copyright Matters and the Copywriting Masterclass. And with me, as always, is the lovely, delectable Kate Toon. Hello, I am Kate Toon. I am a copywriter, the founder of the Clever Copywriting School and the recipe for SEO success. And it's lovely to be here. <laughs> Isn't it always lovely, Kate? Well, I'm, I'm, I don't know why I said here, because we're always in the same place, but I'm here with you. Yeah. <laughs> well, today we're going to be digging into formatting, which might seem a bit weird to talk about, like talking about formatting, and we're not even talking about writing, just formatting the words. But how you present the copy can have a huge influence in how well people receive it, how clients receive it, how readers read it. And and I think clever formatting um, can make your copywriting way more readable. So that's what we're talking about today. But before we get into that, Kate, I saw on social media a little while ago that you were talking about getting a Kindle. So firstly, where are you with the Kindle and what are you reading? Well, I asked my husband for a Kindle for my birthday and I did not receive. Um, I can't even remember what I got. But I got nice things, but not a Kindle. So I'm still Kindle-less. So I'm still reading papery books. And at the moment, I am reading Into the Wild and also a book about Georgian London and a book about Georgian boardy houses. Which nice. I, yeah, I love my history books. And... I'm rereading John Ronson, um, the socially shamed uh, John Ronson, which is fantastic. I highly recommend everyone should read. So I usually have about four books on the go, depending, so I can pick different ones depending on my mood. Yeah, I'm pretty similar, actually. I've got three on the go at the moment. I often have a fiction book, a business book, and another book, because I can't just read business books for, you know, like... Night after night after night, I really need I fiction. Oh, I I I cannot read business books. I have some on my bookshelf that have, the spines have never been cracked. <laughs> I never, and I really must start reading them because I think I've drained my brain of all ideas. So I need to start stealing other people's from their books. Of course, I find them really good for little bloggy inspiration. Yep, yep. So for me, I've got I've got Doctor Who for fiction, of course. <laughs> You're shocked. I'm so shocked. Not. <laughs> and I'm reading um, a business book, but my other third book is actually a parenting book that my two-year-old bought on my Kindle. So if you ever do get a Kindle, put a code on it because children can randomly press the screen and buy buttons, uh, buy books. <laughs> she bought a book about parenting. She bought a book about parenting and it's actually quite a good book. She so tried to tell you something. <laughs> I, took the, I took the hint. I took the hint. <laughs> Funny to be a best parent. My son continually buys uh, Star Wars apps on my iPhone. Every day I get a little, you've been billed $2.99. Um, so, and I keep thinking I must change the password, but then I never get around to it. So. Yeah. Thank goodness for notifications. <laughs> yes, thank goodness. But it would be good if we actually reacted to those notifications, which I failed to do. No, anyway, it's, it's on my list. Yes, formatting. Let's get stuck in. So, you know, I, I hinted at how important formatting is. Um, and like, I think it's so important. It may sound weird to talk about. People may think it's boring to talk about, but I think it's so important. I dedicated an entire lesson in my copywriting masterclass just to formatting. So I think today we're going to dig deep into um, formatting tips and also why it's important and how people can improve their copywriting with clever formatting. Yeah, and I think a good place to start would be to kind of really explain what we mean by formatting. So um, when you are sending copy to a client, usually most copywriters will be writing in Word um, and it's about how you present that Word document to the client. Um, do you what font do you choose to use, and what size font do you use for different parts of that piece of copy? What colours do you use? Do you use different colours to indicate different things and highlighting to different, you know, to emphasise different points? Bolding and italics, the spacing that you leave between lines, how you use lists and how and where you use commenting and track changes. So all of these things are, are super important. And I think, 
you know, one of the biggest failings I see, not even new copywriters, but quite experienced copywriters making is, you know, they've been asked to write a brochure or a web page or whatever it may be. And they literally just send back, you know, a one page document with, you know, a lump of copy point size 10 times new Rome and all clumped up together and they send back that to the client um, and that can be really hard for the client to read to understand and to especially since often the copy we write is going to be put into different formats if you don't spend some time try and make that work in the copy deck a little bit or, or the copy document that you're using to try and say oh this is a headline and this is body copy and this is going here and this is going there it can be really hard for the client to get what you're writing and to visualize it I think so that's what we mean by formatting yeah and because part of the thing when you hand over your copy is you're selling the vision a little bit you you often don't have a lot of design to play with so you need to help clients visualize as you said visualize the copy um, and it's it matters for the end reader as well so as a copywriter you might not have as much control over how the end copy is formatted but I found more often than not if you the formatting that I included in my copy deck is how it ended up in the final product because that was what was handed to the web developer or something like that. So, you know, when it comes to readers, how they read the copy, everyone's busy. I hope everyone on this listening to this podcast has heard about scanning and skimming copy. Everyone's multitasking. And so, you know, people start at the top and they get less and less interested. You know, you've heard of the heat map. I know you've heard of it, Kate. You've got the F-shape heat map which um, tracks how people's eyes move across copy. So it starts in the top left and then it kind of moves across. But people get less and less interested the more they move down the copy and the longer pieces are. So good formatting can make it not only look nicer, it can make it easier to read um, and it can make your copy easier to understand and to navigate around. And if the reader isn't fatigued, by the time they get through parts of your copy, then they're more likely to read to the end, right? Yeah. And I think, um, you know, what we can do in the show notes is um, I've previously written a few posts about F-shape pattern. I'm sure you have too. And I've just recently been trying out a few different heat map softwares um, that you can, there's a plugin you can install on, on WordPress and there's a couple of other ones that you get lots of free trials for. So we'll include links to those in the show notes as well. Yeah, that's a good idea. I mean, I have a heat map. I have my website on the Rainmaker platform and it has um, some heat mapping in that. And it's really interesting that you get, like I get a percentage um, of on my page so I can see how many people are dropping off by, before they get to the end. And it's always a bit of a reinforcement that you lose people by the end it's just a fact yeah and you know I think it's there's a lot of studies um Jacob 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 Nielsen has done a lot of studies around you know readability and you know the, the fact that people are sort of you know scurrying around your page sort of scavenging for little bits of information not reading the whole thing so breaking copy up and using formatting to do that is super important if you want your message to get across Mm, so this is a nerdy one, but do you have a favourite font? Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I do. I am. I am so anal about formatting. I've been um, helping a couple of copywriters um, do some starter blogs, and you know, often the first couple of drafts, I, I don't even read the copy. I'm just like, can we get the formatting sorted? It's not in Arial. I refuse to read anything that's not in Arial. You know, <laughs> the font size isn't correct. Your indents are all out. That's the wrong colour. The font is all wrong. You know what I mean? Like you jumped into Times New Roman in the middle of a paragraph because you've obviously been cutting and pasting. Oh I can't actually consume the actual content until the formatting is right. That's how I know I am. But my favourite front is Arial. What's yours? Um, I, I would say, well, I can tell you what I use. In my copy decks and stuff, I use Calibri or Arial. So I'm a big fan of Arial because it's just super standard. Uh, I think picking a standard font's always a good idea because it's not going to get translated into something weird at the other end. Um, but, you know, when it comes to graphic stuff, it's choosing fonts in Canva takes me a small ice age. It's ridiculous. I'm a bit you're graphically challenged aren't you I am graphically challenged but for my copy I like it simple um I like sans serif fonts which if you know 
you'll know what this is, but for listeners, the serifs is uh, the little curly bits you get on fonts. So Times New Roman has a serif on it and sans serif means without serif. So fonts without the little curly bits are much easier to read. Um, I like, I'm a big fan of the 11 point uh, sizing and I probably go for 1.15 spacing. So I too am very anal about formatting because <laughs> they're, they're I, not just my defaults. I am a 1.5 spacing girl. I like a lot of space. Um, and we're talking there about the, the space between the lines, not the space between the letters. So in design, you'll have heard of, I think it's leading or and kerning. Yes. Um, and I don't know which one's which, but we're talking about the one that's between lines, not the ones that, so we're not spreading words out across the page. We're just putting a bit of white space between each line so it makes it easier to read. I like 11.4 body copy, but I actually size... Uh, subheaders and headlines accordingly. So my headline might be in 16 point, then my subheader 14 point, my body copy 11 point, and then my next subheader 12 point. You know, so I actually, I actually use the different font sizes all the way through the document to again help the the, the reader understand that yes, this is a headline. It's going to be a lot bigger on the page when it's designed, um, and this is a subheader, and it's going to pop a little bit more than the body copy. So I, I use different font sizes throughout. Yeah, I absolutely do, but I like consistency. And going back to a point you made, um, people who don't see that they've used different fonts in the same document kind of make my eye twitch, and I'm exactly the same. Where I'm like, I can't even, I can't, I can't read this. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I'm, I'm the same, and um, I'm sure we'll come on to talk about it. But color as well. So color plays a very important part in my copy decks. Um, in that I use grey for copy that won't be seen on the page, and black for copy that will. So grey is instructional copy. I use that for things like um, meta descriptions and, and titles, and you know, indicating that this is a H1 tag. For a headline and this is a h2 tag for a subheader so you know i use i use color as a way of making some copy pop and some copy recede into the background yeah that's really smart because all these kind of things as a client um you can look at a copy deck like that and pretty instinctively see what you're meant to see and that's the whole point of the formatting it's supposed to draw your eye to the important bits and not distract you with the bits that aren't important Yes, exactly. And then we were talking about spacing as well. There's also white space between the paragraphs. So we talked about the space between the lines, but I think um, spacing between paragraphs, including the margins and the, the header and the footer, are all very important to consider because, as you said, it's breathing space. I like to let the copy breathe on the page and just crunching it up kind of almost makes me physically crunch up as I read it, which might sound a bit over the top, but, you know, the the, the more you can remove distractions, the more your client can actually read the words on the page. Yeah, totally. I agree. Yeah. So this is a weird one. Do you left justify or center justify? Oh my God, I can't believe that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I left justify when I want it to be left justified on the final page and I center when I want it to be centered. So what I mean by that is, you know, these days, you know, especially in the more modern responsive themes, often say on a homepage, you know, you might have, um, the subheaders centered within the page and then the copy underneath centered as well. So again, I do what needs to be done. I never fully justify though. That's the only thing I don't do. So the one where it's splattered across the whole page with sort of different size gaps um, and you get the whole orphan and, and what's it called? Orphan and uh, widow uh, issues of words hanging over the end of paragraphs and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. Because what I sometimes find is, you know, because I have made the copy deck re- relatively visual, you know, the client might come back and say, well, look, I don't want that word to be on a separate line because um, it looks weird. And I'm like, look, this is only an indication when the developer takes it and codes it. That's something that you can point out to them. I'm doing my best to represent it as it will finally appear, but it's it's not 100%. Yeah. But I think also with the justification, um, if you do a sense of a justification for all the copy, you can get this massive block of copy. Some people kind of like these nice straight edges, but in actual fact, it makes it really hard to read. Yeah, that's true. I agree. Yeah. 
so anal. But, the, you know, these are things that are really important. They're just distractions from the readability. Yeah. Um, so the next point we've been talking about spacing. I like to put a bit of space around my headings. So mm-hmm. I have, you know, probably have a standard 1.5 after my headlines and subheadings and it's just just so they kind of stand out on the page. And I, it sounds like you do as well, I label my headlines H1 or H2, which is mainly an online thing, but I think it's just nice to, to put tags on them saying, this is a main headline. Do you do the same? Yeah, so um, I um, yeah I use H1, H2, through to H6 because that's as, as far as it goes. Um, generally, there should only be one H1 on the page and one H2, but I generally have you know might have like four or five H3s. So what that is what that is actually related to for those who aren't savvy with online stuff is most web pages are coded with something called a cascading style sheet (CSS), and what that does is it says make all things tagged with H1, 16 point and blue. Make all things tagged with H2, uh, 14 point and red. And then whenever that tag is used across the site, it will be consistent. So that's what that's what H1s and H2s are for. They sort of speak to and call to the, the CSS, the style sheet. So by putting that in the copy deck up front, you're actually helping the developer and it will make his life so much easier rather than just providing with a big blob of coffee. And he, coffee? Copy. And he has no idea what is meant to be a header, what's meant to be a sub, it just doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't get it. So it's a really neat trick for me, and it makes developers' lives easier. Because, I mean, I think it's also important because sometimes I'll just have a really short sentence and yes. I'll just have it standing on its own between paragraphs and that can look like a subheading, but it's yeah. not. Exactly. And the same goes with bolding. You know, often one of the things I find a bit frustrating is I'm, um, I'm I mean, maybe we're going to come on to this later in the po- in the piece, but um, I use bolding very strategically to improve legibility and also just to make some little short sentences like that pop. Um, and I find it quite frustrating when that bolding hasn't been carried through. So I always have to put a note in at the beginning saying some things are bold and they are meant to be bold and should be bold on the page. You know? <laughs> so it's very important to kind of explain the labels somewhere and explain, you know, what each thing means, not just to the developer, but also to the client. So when the client's reading through the document, they're like, ah, that's why she's done that. That's why she's done that. Yeah, and it's not bad to to sort of explain. I have quite deliberately done this in this way for a a specific reason that will help your copy. I use bolding as well. I tend to... Um, going back to the point of skimming, I assume that someone's going to be kind of scanning down the page and I use bolding to make phrases stand out so that people might get drawn in a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. Although the danger, of course, with all the stuff we're talking about is you make your copy look like Las Vegas on the page, um, which we'll talk about, you know, some mistakes a little later on. But one thing I wanted to talk about now was lists because you mentioned in the intro it's a great way um, it's another great formatting technique and it's especially good obviously when you've got a series of points to make because a big wadding paragraph of items listed out it's just much harder to read um, and it, they're, they're good for SEO right? Uh, lists are they good for SEO? Are they good for SEO because that was like that's a pretty old school recommendation. Um I wouldn't say that lists are, are good for SEO. No, I think they're good for readability and good readability keeps humans happy and humans drive the internet and therefore indirectly they are good yeah. for But no, you're not going to get any extra points for having bullets in your in your content at all. No, not from an SEO point of view. But the but yeah, more you can think, peep people on the page. Sorry? The more you can keep peep Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. I think it's more about sort of getting the content across in a, in a in bite-sized chunks, and bullets are a very powerful way of you know you've got five things to say, five bullet points. You know, I just think it, it's 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 a logical way of doing it. But no, there's no SEO bonus at all, really. Do you have any techniques you use for list writing, or is um, it just me? <laughs> yeah, I don't tend to do numbered lists so much, but I do do bulleted lists. Um, I don't use punctuation on my bulleted list, so I don't do the sort of, you know, uh, semicolon, semicolon, and then full stop. I just have nothing at the end of my my bullets unless they're very long sentences. And what I try to do is, you know, so say, for example, on a About Us page, and it's like five reasons you should choose us. And what I might do is do like uh, great customer service, 
colon and then a little bit of a snippet after that explaining why we offer great customer service. And I might bold the customer service part of it. So if someone was scanning the page, they could just read the first three words of each bullet and get the gist, but then they can read the whole sentence if they want to get the full story. Yeah, I like that technique as well. Otherwise, I try and keep my list items pretty short. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the other thing I like to do is move – I move things around in the list. Like I look at how the list looks. Yes. <laughs> and so it like a sort of like this nice ebb and flow and I'll quite happily move things around. And, and I also try and end on an important thing. Oh, okay. I, 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 on the flip side, and um, I think you do this too, I often like to try and start with a verb. So oh, yeah. You know, so, but, it, or, but what I, I just try and be consistent. So in the example I just gave – you know, if it's like great customer service, well, then the next one has to be adjective something else. Yes. You know what I mean? I won't suddenly go into a full sentence in the next one, then go to a single word in the one after that, then a full sentence again. Do you see what I mean? So it's if I start every bullet with an adjective, the first three bullets with an adjective, I must use an adjective on every other bullet. So it's just consistency um, so that they are visually, they look the same. Yeah. Do you, know, do, you yeah. do this thing? Yeah. I do. It's actually called parallel phrasing. Oh, is it? I love the fact that you know all these fancy <laughs> It has a name. Everything has a name. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, so, so let's maybe talk about some mistakes that people make with lists. And I think one we've covered is making them too long. Yeah. Way too long without using a clever technique, like you've said, with a couple of couple little words to summarise it. Um, yeah. I mean, I think if you've got a really long point to make, just feel free to have that as his own little standalone paragraphs. I think people think – if I'm going to have a paragraph, it has to be at least three or four sentences long. Well, it doesn't at all. As, as, as Melinda just mentioned, you can have a single sentence as a snippet. You can have a one-line paragraph, two-line paragraph, you know. But if it's, if it's enough to stand alone, then don't put it in a bulleted list, maybe. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Um, I think another mistake is mixing up numbers and, like, numbered lists and bulleted lists, like numbering things that don't need to be numbered. So if there's, if no, if there's no priority, make it a bullet list. Yes, exactly. And, you know, numbers imply that number one is more important than number five. So I think generally, so, you know, unless it's, you know, step one, step two or whatever, then, I, I, you know, and things need to be done in an order or this is a list of top five things and number one is the most important, then stay away from numbers if you can. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And Ooh, what agreeing on everything. <laughs> it's, when we, it's when we talk about things that we're both quite anally retentive about. Yeah, like uh, it'd be good if one of us is really rogue and was like, oh, you're really inhibiting my creative flow with all your formatting, which I think is an important thing to cover off before we move into the next uh, couple of suggestions. You know, I actually find formatting very freeing because it's almost like paint by numbers. So, um, you know, Belinda and I have both written uh, articles about copy deck. I wrote an article about copy decks about five or six years ago. It's pretty much the first blog I wrote because I'd come out of agency world and copy decks are a thing. And most freelance writers had never heard of them. I remember bringing them up in the community when we first started and they're like, what? What's copy deck? Um, and now the phrase seems to be a bit more well known. And, you know, the, the reason I was kind of pushing it was because it, you know, once it's all set out and you've got your copy deck set up, you're just filling it in. It's so much easier. Do you, don't you find, Belinda? Yeah, absolutely. And it, it helps me tick off the things that I want to include to give the client – I want to give my copy the best chance of getting a great reception by the client. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, I, I have a, a copy deck template that I sell through the copywriting school and without doubt – absolutely the most popular template ever do you know what I mean and people mm. come back and they're like I've been a copywriter for five years and I've never heard of, of a copy template and I've never considered formatting my content in this way and it's um, you know people love it and and they say exactly what you just said that once they put their copy into a really professional document like that, then it gets signed off so much quicker because the client is focusing purely on the writing, not on any of the other stuff. It sounds like it's going to end up looking like Las Vegas, but it actually doesn't end up looking like Las Vegas. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. cleaner and easier to understand. So I think if you're listening to this and thinking, 
oh, I just want to write. I don't want to have to think about font sizes and whatever. The end result is is really worth it. You know, it takes a bit of getting used to, but it definitely polishes up your work and makes you takes your work to the next level. I think makes you look more professional. Yeah, absolutely. I remember the first bit of feedback I got of one one of my first jobs from a, another more experienced copywriter, and she basically went look, your name's not on this, the client's name's not in this, I've got no sense of date or version control. Yeah, um, yeah. And she goes, what if this gets passed around to someone else who's the contact? They don't know how to contact you. And I was just, she destroyed me, but it was all super um, accurate. And after yeah. that, I thought, yes, what if this does get passed around the company? It yeah. needs to be able to find its way back to the person and they need to know who you are and all this kind of stuff. So it's, it's really important. Yeah, and also, you know, like simple things like in the bottom of the copy deck template that I have, it's just got copyright statement on it, which basically says you own the copyright for this document. And, and if you have in your terms, conditions and your proposal, it's it's yours until they pay you. And if you don't have that on that, then you, do you know what I mean? It, it, it's, it's, it could be taken by anybody. So yeah, it's, it's just things like that, you know, we're kind of straying off into copy deck conversation, but but we were talking about formatting techniques before I went off on my little tangent. We, were, we talked about bolding. Um, but how do you use bolding in your, in your deck other than you use it for skim reading? So how, how many phrases would you bold in a given paragraph, for example? I try and pick out one. So having no bolding is okay to me, but I wouldn't have every single paragraph without a phrase bolded. So um, I probably have one to two phrases bolded in a paragraph, but no more than that. And I'd probably only bold two if it was a fairly long paragraph. And I wanted people to, I wanted some words to pop out to go, hey, there's important stuff down here too. Um, but yeah, so if I find I've got more than two paragraphs without a sentence bolded, um, I question whether I'm making a really important point. So yeah. it's a good way for me to go, are you writing stuff that people need to know? And if not, can you just cut that paragraph out? And, and if I have got something that they need to see, then that's what I bold. Yeah, and I think bolding is, is great for, for legibility. Um, I do think you get a minor, tiny, teeny, tiny SEO point for maybe having your keyword phrase bolded maybe just once. Um, but I, I think what sometimes people for emphasis use underline and you should never do that. I don't even think you should do it in print, but definitely not online. Uh, uh, online underline means it's a link. So don't be using underline for anything other than links. Don't use it for emphasis. Um, and what about italics? I, I generally use, generally use italics. For either when I'm doing a definition or when I do a lot of asides in my copywriting, like, Psst, did you know that blah, 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 blah. And I'll use italics for stuff like that and for quotes, but I don't really use italics for emphasis at all in my body copy. Do you? I'm, I'm with you. I rarely use italics. And if I do, it's when I'm, I can imagine someone speaking with some emphasis, but it's not as much emphasis as bolding. Yeah, okay. I use it more for whispering, I think. Uh, I use it in the opposite. So again, that's just kind of different subtleties of, of different copywriters using things for different things. So however you choose to use it, make a rule, explain the rule, and then stick to the rule, I think. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, um, that's right. That's right. But it's interesting that we both use italics in a way that reflects how we're speaking the words. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's it. You know, we, we've talked about this on other pods, um, that you, you do have to read your copy out. Um, and, you know, when you're reading the bold bit, you are literally going, and no, this is a window cleaning business in Sydney and we make the shiniest windows in Sydney. And you have to see how it sounds, you know. Um, and if you find that every second word you're saying, and our cloths are clean, and we also go, and they are great and shiny, you know, it's too much bolding. Pull it back. You're overdoing it, you know. Too much Same with caps. Same with caps. Um, I, I never use caps. I don't know about you. Do you use caps? No, not unless I'm, I intend to be shouting. And so I tend to maybe use uh, some maybe some caps in a blog post on my blog, but yeah. I would rarely use caps in a client, in a client piece of copywriting. I can't even think of when I would think shouting in copy is acceptable for a client piece. No, I mean, I think um, Sensen's case um, is, is interesting. So how you, you know, whether you go with caps case, title case, 
you know, lowercase in your subheaders, your headers, whatever. Um, and it's an issue I come across a lot with, with clients. So, um, you know, in navigation, I'm happy in the navigation for things to be capitalized. So if it's a website and you've got like contact, home, whatever, I'd use caps there. I don't really often use caps in headlines. Um, I hate tit- uh, title case. I hate when you um, capitalize every you know word for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, um, yeah. And headlines and subheadlines. I just like normal sentence case I think it's called I think <laughs> look at me yeah so this is where I don't know the name I know that there is oh, names for things you're a book copywriter <laughs> you should know the phrase parallel phrasing lady I know I um, should but yeah no this is where we've reached the end of my knowledge <laughs> <laughs> and also I think you know sometimes you have a brand where they've started their name with a lower case do you know what I mean? Like the, the, the logo has a lowercase letter at the beginning, which is just annoys the hell out of me. Yes. And, and, you know, you want to use it at the beginning of a sentence and you just can't because it just looks weird. I worked with a client called Wovi. I've mentioned Wovi heaps. It's like the only client I've ever had. Um, and they, in their branding, it starts with lowercase w. So after a while, I just never used it at the beginning of a sentence. So I never had the problem of whether it should be capitalized or not. You know? Yeah, just... that's the funny thing. We change our writing. <laughs> it's the <laughs> The problem. Yeah, I don't know the word for that, so I'm just going to rewrite the sentence so I don't need the word. Yeah, but. do that all the time. All the time, yeah, cool. Um, and we were going to talk next, I think, about comments for clients, you know, or like how you deal with comments in your deck. How do you do that? Like, do you write comments in? Um, I have a section in my copy deck for notes. So if I have some kind of general, if I have some general comments that I want the client to know, because sometimes I like to explain my approach for the page. It kind of reinforces that I have had a deliberate approach to the copywriting. Sometimes I might remind them about the tone of voice that they asked for or why I took a specific direction if it's a bit risky or something. So I put those in the notes section. But if I have some specific questions or comments about around some specific wording, I actually use the comment feature in Word. So I insert a comment, it hangs off the side. Um, but then when I hand the copy over, I tell the client that they're there. Because sometimes if, if you don't display comments, you can't see them. Yes. And they so can I- get missed. Yeah, I do that too, although the missed thing has happened a few times. Um, so I have like lots of preamble pages in my copy deck template. I have um, you know, the page with the versioning and the branding, and then I have really comprehensive guidelines um, that I then – you know, so it's like, you know, whether we're going to use full stops at the end of bullets, you know, what are, I have the tone of voice in there, I have trademarking, you know, words we like, words we don't like, how we're going to do money, do we do money with an AU, you know, like every possible thing that could come up with a copy deck. It took me years to build these all together. <laughs> and it's all listed at the front and I make little decisions based on the client. And then I say, here, this is this is going to be the way that I'm going to write every page of the copy. So let's get this signed off before I actually start writing. Um, and that's, you know, I've talked to before about my skeleton draft. That's my skeleton draft. So there's actually no copy in at that point. It's just like, here are the rules, here are the pages. Are you happy with all these rules? Because once I start writing them, then when you know, it's going to be annoying if you go back and say, oh, no, I do want that word hyphenated whenever it appears. So I do that. And then as I'm writing the deck, I also use the comment feature um, and just say, you know, either as an explanation or if it's a question, I put question and then what my question. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And I say to the client when I send it through, please go through and address every question and comment that's been there. And then they add their comments underneath in track changes. So, yeah, that works pretty well. Um, and something I've recently started doing, which is awesome, top tip, top tune tip, is I've actually started doing a little screen capture of me walking the client through the first couple of pages of the copy deck. Um, so I just have the copy deck open and I use my little, what do I use, screen flow. And I just, I'm like, hey client, you know, here's the copy deck. Here's just a couple of quick minutes to explain how the copy deck works. Here's this page. Here are the comments. And it takes me like two or three minutes to make that video. And I send it off with the copy deck. Um, and it saves so many phone calls. Wow. I'm super impressed. That's like ultra professional. I know. I'm going to be doing a little video on it for my YouTube channel later today. Yeah, so that is super yeah, smart. Yeah, it saves a lot of time. And, you know, I think what I found is, you know, my copy deck is awesome i'm just obviously trying to push my copy deck so you all rush out and buy it after the podcast but um it is it's 
can be overwhelming for clients when they open that up. You know, they've expected, they've ordered three pages of copy and they get a 10-page copy deck. And they're like, I don't get it. Why is there all this extra stuff? And when they understand the value of that extra stuff, they're like, whoa, you're so awesome. <laughs> and they sort of open it up. I think they feel a bit like, what the hell? Because if they've ever worked with a copyright before, all they've ever got is like one sheet of A4 in Times New Roman all packed together at the top in eight point, you know? And then yeah. they suddenly, ta-da! And it's, it's too much for some people. So the video really helps kind of go, don't freak out. This is what it's all about. Take your time to go through it. Yada, yada, yada. So yeah. that's, my, that's my top tune tip for the that's day. That's an excellent top tune tip. <laughs> One of the things I have in mind is um, a note to reviewers to kind of help them with the revision process. Because yes. one thing we've talked about in previous pods is clients who don't know how to give you feedback and that's totally okay. So I have things like, you know, have a look at the following, you know, consider the following questions as you review the copy. And I was like, are all the facts correct? Is there anything missing? Is there yeah. any information that is uh, should be deleted? Are there any awkward passages or, you know, other features and benefits explained clearly? And does the style and tone and vocab fit your target audience? And I find just giving them some questions makes helps clients who don't really know what they're looking for go, oh, okay, well, this gives me a starting point yes. to the, work from. Yeah, so I do that in the email that goes along with the deck. I'm like, you know, you know, I think you've always said in, in previous pods, you know, only ask one or two questions because otherwise people get, you know, they're like, oh, what do you want me to look at? This, this or this, do you know what I mean? So I generally do the same. I'm like, you know, uh, check is the is everything you want there in there is there anything you want taken out and uh, is the does the tone feel right and that that's all I ask I don't I don't actually ask a lot more than that and then I have individual questions through the through the deck but I send copy very piecemeal you know I send just a tiny little bit then a bit more then a bit more rather than sending I think you know lots of copywriters are of the school of thought that you need to send the deck sort of all the piece like 90% perfect I have a much more iterative process than that so it makes it easier for the client just to work on that little bit that they need to work on you know yeah, that's uh, that's interesting because I can see the value in that approach. I have to admit, like if I'm writing a series of pages, I like them to see the whole story together because yeah. I've, ha- I've had clients go, oh, but what about this and what about that? And I'm like, well, that that's actually on the other pages. It's all right. Yeah. Just yeah. calm down. I think it'd be good for us to maybe do our process, well, you know, maybe a pod on, on our process for actually writing, you know, like what, what do we do first? What do we do second? You know, I think that might be interesting because I think ours are quite different. Um, so it'd be, maybe we can do another pod on that at some point. Yeah, let's put it on the list, baby. Let's do that. So where are we up to in our notes? I think we, things we wanted to talk about. I think we're at copy decks. I think it's time to, to dig a bit deeper into the copy deck and maybe you can explain like you mentioned, you've got a bit of preamble and you've got the pages and you've got your rules, like your, what is that called? Like a, the, where you've got the all the rules. Lines. Yeah. yeah. So, but what else? Like, I mean, you obviously have a table of contents. Yeah. So I have, you know, the front page with your, with your branding and your versioning and, and who owns the document and who's going to be signing that off and, you know, dates for all the different versionings. And I have a header and a footer that, brands it and, and, you know, has my contact details on as we talked about and copyright statements. And then I have, yes, these very comprehensive guidelines, which, you know, to be honest, once you put the effort into writing them, and obviously if you buy mine at the copywriting school, you don't have to, um, they're there. And, you know, they don't change that much from client to client, but it saves, you know, getting to the end of the deck and then saying, well, actually, we'd rather have dates in American format rather than Australian format. Like, Jesus, I've got to go through every page and change that, you know. Yeah. So I do that. Um, I have my little instructions on what the different colours mean. And then I have a little video which explains how to use track changes so that people don't know how to turn track changes on or off and what comments are. And then I start, I have my standard elements. So things that are going to be used across all pages, like boilerplate copy. So if I'm going to have a consistent navigation or a consistent call to action on every page, I'll put it there. So they only review that once. They don't have to review that again and again. And then literally page by page in the way that we've talked about sort of, you know, the title tag, the meta description. I'm talking more about web pages here, but if it was the brochure, it might be, you know, front page, internal page, or if it was an email, it might be subject line, from address, and you know, so whatever is relevant. And I've got little different 
copy decks for every single different thing. So I've got a video script one and a press release one, and a, you know, so that I don't have to redo anything ever again. I could just cut and paste the format from a previous doc. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we, uh, list, regular listeners will know we're big fans of processes and templates, and this is yeah, – I have a template for mine as well. It's, I don't think – mine isn't definitely not as, as complex as yours. Complex probably isn't the word, as, as detailed as yours. Um, but I think there's definite value in all those details. I would have um, – I have the project name. I have a bit of branding guff at the start. I have my revision notes. Um, and then for each page of the copy, I have the project name, the contact person, the version – notes oh yeah you have that at the top of each one i've seen that before as well yeah yeah am i just because i assume that the copy is going to get ripped apart and passed around yeah yeah i think especially if you're working on big jobs you know when you're working with big corporate jobs and there are different product owners within the business i will often even just separate the copy deck into different copy decks so, you know, I did a big job with Randwick Council and there were probably about 40 stakeholders. So oh. rather than having one deck, I just created 40 mini decks. It was actually easier. And each of those had the same stuff at the beginning, the guidelines, the whatever, because that was universally signed off. And then it had their particular copy and that made it a bit easier. And, you know, what we're talking about here is thinking about how your client is going to use the document, read the document, pass the document around and how can you as the copywriter make it easier on them um, to review your work and more, more importantly sign it off because that's what you want. Yes, exactly. I think what it does is once they get the concept, which is usually for me the skeleton deck, you know, the skeleton deck, the reason I do that deck is there's not much copy in there. It's really just getting your head around how a copywriter works, what we do, what they need to be thinking about. And then when the time they get the first draft, they got all of that. They're not even looking at the formatting anymore. They're just enjoying the copy. Um, and gosh, you know, if all the things I'm good at, I'd say formatting is one of the ones I'm best at. I, that's so pathetic. I should be saying I'm a brilliant tagline writer. But I do think it's made a huge difference. You know, I don't know if I'm the best writer in the world. I think I'm all right. But I think, you know, the way that you present, being a copywriter is not just being a good writer. It's about running a good business and setting up good processes and learning how to deal with clients. And I think both of us have found that this seemingly silly almost anal process of formatting has made such a big difference in our copywriting journey yeah I couldn't agree more because I look at it from the point of view um, and the same from for where we're talking about process development what I'm trying to do is remove distractions and remove any bumps from the road to sign off because I'm like you know I just want to make your life so easy client that all you have to do is read it remember what a fantastic experience you're having and (laughs) sign that sucker off totally and every time there's something goes wrong you perfect your process you iron out that bump and you know they think this is why when I have a copywriting job and they say well how long will it be end to end and I you know I'm like if you can sign things off within 24 or 48 hours we'll be done in two weeks and they're like well but it's 30 pages and I'm like we'll be done in two weeks because my processes are so schmick do you know what I mean there's no room for manoeuvre and I mean that comes from having done a million copy decks but you know, there is no three-week gap when the client disappears because, as we said in our AWOL episode, I've got emails that I chase them with. And there is no confusion over what's in scope, which pauses the project because I've got a proposal document. Do you see what I mean? And yeah. that's, that means you can churn through so much copy. And I think you were the same, weren't you? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it makes me work faster and work smarter yeah. and it makes it better for the client. And then, you know, linking back to all the formatting stuff we're talking about when the client then gives your copy to the graphic designer or the web designer and your formatting and your emphasis and your bolding and your headlines and all that kind of stuff is all really clear more often than not that's exactly how the copy looks in the end result and then you you passing on those benefits to the readers as well because ultimately that's what we're formatting for it's the end reader yeah, and I think designers and coders love you for it. And I've often, you know, back in the day, had designers get in touch with me and say, I just loved the way that copy that you did for such and such. And and I wonder, I've got a few other clients. I wonder if you'd like to help. Do you see what I mean? So yeah. your perfect deck is actually selling you wherever it goes, you know? Yeah, I've had the same thing where I've had web developers actually get in touch with me and go, thank you. 
Yeah. Thank you so much. And I think there's a whole episode that we could do on different ways of presenting your copy. So I just did um, an article with Omnigaffle um, where I showed how I used their wireframing tool to uh, sell my copy to a client, especially if you're working on sales landing pages and home pages, which are highly graphical and have lots of different things to achieve. It's a bit different writing copy for a sale, uh, you know, a sub, sub, sub editorial page than it is writing a sales landing page. So maybe we can do another episode on wireframing and dropping content into like an actual grid design before you give it to client. Yeah, this is where you'd have to educate me because that's I know nothing about this. <laughs> it's not something I do very often, but I think with sales landing pages, it's, it's, it's hugely important. So yeah, it is quite a specialist. It is Sorry. indeed. But I think we we're going to now talk about newbie copywriters. Yeah, let's makers. talk about mistakes. Yeah, I mean, I think... I think we've covered quite a lot of them, but um, having at the moment, I am actually working with a brand new, freshly birthed copywriter um, who's a really good writer and she's writing some blog posts um, for my husband's business. And, you know, the main things were the ones we talked about. So I actually, she'd actually got my template from the copywriting school, um, but she hadn't taken time to kind of read it, I don't think. Um, and then, you know, and so the fo- lots of different fonts, do you know what I mean? Lots of different font sizes. And because cutting and pasting copy from the web directly into the deck messed up all the formatting. So another little tip that I often do is if I want to copy and paste copy from the internet that I'm going to then edit, I drop it into like a, a notepad file first to remove all the formatting. Um, or I drop it into an empty bit of the copy deck, strip the formatting out and then yeah. put it back in. Or I do paste as text. Yes, yes, that's another good trick. Um, and maybe we can, um, you know, show you how to do that at some point if you don't know how to. But, yeah, it just stops because what happens otherwise is that you're actually copying and pasting all the the HTML with it sometimes and all the indents and the weird stuff, and it looks weird when you copy it in. So I think the main thing I see newbie copywriters doing is just ugly copy decks. Like, they just look ugly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's distracting. <laughs> it's distracting. Yes. Yeah, and, and as I said, I pulled... Poor things. I make them go through a couple of drafts before I even read the copy because I'm like, I can't read it in this format. And they probably think I'm horrible, but hey. Harsh lessons got to be learned. (laughs) Indeed. What about you? What things have you seen that newbies do? Uh, Bunched up copy. So we've talked about letting copy breathe on the page, which some people laugh at me saying that. So I was really glad that you said exactly the same thing. And I think you've got to let your words have enough space. So, you know, having enough space between the lines, choosing a big enough font, having space between the paragraphs, enough margin, stuff like that, because just crunched up copy, as I said, it just your brain crunches up, your body crunches up. It's a very physical relationship with the reading. Um, and so I think, yeah, bunching up the copy, not paying attention to the white space is a big mistake I see. Yeah, and I think the final ones that I see are like um, uh, lots of exclamation points. Um, yeah. And, you know, I will actually have in my guidelines at the beginning of my copy deck that we're not allowed to use exclamation points at all. I really just, I never use them in my copy because for me they just make you sound like a sort of, teenage overexcited girl you know like we are the best window cleaners in Sydney (laughs) that's what it feels like to me and it to me it's like if you have to add an exclamation point to make your sentence exciting you need to rewrite that sentence um you know exclamation points do not add excitement they they just they I don't know what they add they don't add anything for me I'm very anti-exclamation points I'm not sure I'm not sure I entirely agree I'm just gonna yeah yeah I'm wrestle. Yeah, so I agree with not overusing exclamation points. I, I absolutely, but I think one is okay. I think using exclamation points can add some excitement, but if you overuse them, you sound like a teenage girl. And if you ever use more than one, I think some people go, oh, I'm going to be quirky and crazy and I'm going to do that by exclamation points. And it's like, no, no, no. So I, th- I believe you do have to really look long and hard about whether you need it but I think they can add a bit of excitement and drama to the page oh I just totally disagree with yeah. that <laughs> yeah. no yeah. I love I love an interrobang that's my favorite punctuation which what, what is this an interrobang is an exclamation mark followed by a question mark oh right yes 
I love myself an entire bang, so I have occasionally used one of those. Well, what a fantastic go. name as well. I'm taking. I'm that. sure that's probably not the right word, and I've made a fool of myself in front of the copywriting community. But just but, you um, know, talking about using some punctuation, which we haven't talked about, I actually do use some punctuation quite incorrectly just to. Yeah, just because I'm crazy. That's right. But just to kind of maybe I use ellipses, which is, you know, dot, 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 just to kind of, and I use hyphens or M dashes or N dashes, whatever they are. I use, you know, I put phrases with ellipses and dashes around them to kind of just give them some space in the sentence and give them a bit of drama. Um, I, that, see, we've co- I've come up with another episode idea. I think we should do an episode on disruptive punctuation. Yeah, that's a fair it's cop. Like gorilla punctuation. Because <laughs> I, I do that a lot as well. And um, it's really, it's, you know. Proofreaders like, hate it. Yes. I, I, I'm, my proofreader is extremely old school. Um, and she, one of them, she always removes stuff like that. And I have to put it back in or yeah. highlight it before I send it saying, I meant to do this. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's, it's not wrong. <laughs> yes. It's just my style. Um, any other things that you hate about, or not hate? That sounds a bit. That's a bit much. No. Yeah, any mistakes you see newbies making? Um, probably going the other way. Just too much formatting. Like you know, <laughs> there is a fine balance. I did talk about Las Vegas before, but like too much bolding, too much punctuation, too much caps. Too oh caps, caps. Don't do caps. <laughs> and you know the thing about caps is that they're actually if you have too much. Speed like language in caps, it's hard to read, which is why street signs and highway signs and stuff aren't in caps because you, you have go. many words together in caps and it's it's just harder for the eye to absorb what the words are. Oh, there you go. And Isn't it's that, rude. It's rude. Well, I think that's the most important. It's just rude. Just Stop rude. doing it. Shouty and rude. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's formatting and it's all, all its glory, do you think? Do you? Do you oh, have God. anything else? You just talk about this all day, but I need to restrain myself and stop. So it's pretty uh, nerdy, but I think we had to do it. I think we did too. So we'll include heaps of notes in the in the show notes of, of different things you can look at um, to kind of yeah back all of this up, and including what an interrobang is. I'm going to go and Google that now and make sure I got that right. <laughs> well, uh, if you're happy to, Kate, I say we end the show with a shout out to one of our great listeners. Woo-hoo. Um, I've got I've chosen Christina Tolstrup, who I actually worked with um, a year or two ago on her copy, and she's always was very interested in copywriting. So I love the fact that she's listening to the show as well. And she says, as an acupuncturist and wannabe copywriter, I enjoy podcasts that get to the point exclamation mark Belinda and Kate cover so many aspects of copywriting in their hot copy podcast and they do it in a very entertaining way they source and invite interesting and inspiring guest speakers which creates a great variety in the content when listening to their podcast I always learn something and I usually have a giggle too oh I love you Christina yeah and she put a smiley face on it so exclamation marks are excused yeah well that's fine when you're writing reviews for us use as many exclamation marks as you like (laughs) That's awesome. Thank you, Christina. Yeah, and thanks to you for listening. If you like the show, don't forget to leave us a rating review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to your pod. As you can uh, tell, we read them out, we give you a shout-out, we link to you, um, and you know our, your review helps other people find us, which makes us happy. Uh, you can, if you have any comments or some feedback, we have the blog post for this episode on the hotcopypodcast.com website. Um, we'd love to hear from you. So... Thanks, Kate. Thanks, Belinda. Until next time, happy writing. And we're done. That was a long one. Oh, my God, but I could talk about that for hours. I know. I'm so glad you enjoyed it because I... (laughs) I love it.